Hello, you are listening to All Things ADHD Podcast. I'm your host, Alondra Perez. For today's guest, we have Dr. Hammond. Welcome, Dr. Hammond. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, I'm Dr. Hammond, psychologist, author, and speaker, and one of my specialties is ADHD. Thank you. We're so happy to have you here today. So there has always been a lot of stigma surrounding mental health and ADHD. How does this impact and affect the African-American community? Yeah, it, it really impacts it in a lot of different ways, uh, really with prevention efforts, diagnosis, and treatment, because um, there's just this fear of getting help yeah, and, and having from, a label. And from what you have seen, what has been a common myth about ADHD? Yeah, there's been a lot of myths that I've seen. One, a, a really common myth I've seen is uh, parents will feel that or are confused that their child may be uh, diagnosed with ADHD because they're not hyperactive. And really, a lot of families don't realize there's different types of ADHD. So there is an ADHD where you don't have the hyperactivity and the child may just be very inattentive. So that's actually one of the most common myths that I've seen. And some parents may be concerned about the evaluation process. How can parents know if they're receiving a proper assessment for ADHD? Yeah, that's a great question. I really feel that if possible, parents should really think about getting a comprehensive psychological evaluation because one of the issues and one of the reasons why ADHD is so overdiagnosed in the field is because sometimes some providers are taking five or 10 minutes only to hear about inattention symptoms, let's say, like the child's not paying attention and diagnosing ADHD. But if the parent thought about or the community thought about children as a whole and thought about, well, it could be ADHD or not, but it also, in addition to that, it could be a learning issue or depression or anxiety or something else, then you're really getting a more comprehensive look on what's going on with the child and how to help them best. And the CDC has also said with the majority of kids that have ADHD, um, there's also something else going on um, that needs to be addressed as well. So it's really, really important to have a comprehensive evaluation for ADHD and other things that could be impacting this child. Just for parents to reference, how long should a comprehensive assessment take or is there even a time period for it? Yeah, ideally, it's, ideally, it should really take a couple of hours um, because generally with psychological evaluations, when you're looking at, let's say, an IQ test to see sometimes children are gifted and they're so bored in the classroom that they look really inattentive or sometimes the opposite and children's IQs are uh, lower so they may just be struggling with learning. Um, but looking at that and looking at ADHD measures and depression measures and anxiety and all of these things that impact is there any trauma like there's so many things that look at and as the age of the child differs it'll depend on the exact amount of time but really we're looking at a couple of hours to really do that type of assessment um, versus you know a five-minute appointment where a parent says to a physician my child is struggling with attention and it's like here you go here's some medication it's definitely ADHD in five minutes like it just seems very unfair 
uh, to do that to a child instead of looking at everything. You make an important point about really looking at the intersectionality with ADHD, the different things that um, are a part of it. And you mentioned that ADHD can be overdiagnosed, but from your experience and just within the African-American population, do you usually see them being underdiagnosed or overdiagnosed? That's a really great question. So both really, um, it depends on, there's this really unfortunate uh, aspect, particularly with African-American youth, that for some families, it may be under because the family, because of the stigma of mental health, because of the worry and concern about the quote-unquote labeled ADHD and how does that look for a teacher, let's say. So let's say it's, you know, a black little boy and now you have ADHD and now you have behavior problems or whatever else is going on, all of that combination uh, parents are very concerned with. So sometimes it's underdiagnosed, but then on the other end, sometimes it's quickly overdiagnosed as well for black youth because Instead of, again, looking at the whole entire picture and, again, depending on the environment, is there trauma? Is there, is this child? I've had um, children that have come into my office and literally have said they're, you know, afraid of the racism or the, or, or the, sorry, the prejudice they're experiencing at school from other students. I mean, these are real concerns and it affects attention and concentration, for example. But it's quickly overdiagnosed. Um, not paying attention to ADHD. So I really, I've actually seen it go both ways. Um, but it's, it's definitely a real concern to properly evaluate for ADHD and black youth. So I'm wondering how can parents overcome this stigma or is it something more for the society to take care of? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I'll say definitely both. What I always recommend, I, I think as in the mental health field, and I know there's a lot of push for this right now, the feel as a whole to try our best to reduce the stigma of mental health and how that's done is to, ed like, education is so important um, of even recognizing what are the symptoms of ADHD, what are the red flags, um, but also, I would say families. So maybe there's a particular family that is really struggling with the idea of getting their child therapy or you know, going to see if there is a diagnosis of ADHD, but if their family member around them or, you know, their support system, whether that be a place of worship or a neighbor or a coworker, whomever, can support the idea of mental health, then I think we'll start to see a lot more changes. So it definitely, I really think it comes from the community. Um, like, like I said, family, friends, uh, places of worship, let's say, but also on a bigger scale from the mental health field. What can schools do to help these individuals with ADHD? I would hope that schools will really start to look at how to have more cultural competence. And every child, obviously, is just not the same as far as how they learn, as far as their background, as far as their racial and ethnic identities. I mean, there's very unique things for different children. This the educational system will never work, ever, ever work with a cookie-cutter approach. It will never <laughs> succeed that way. It just, it cannot. So I, I hope, my hope is that more schools will take the time to recognize how important it is to be culturally competent, to understand, um, you know, trauma-informed education, let's say, to understand the unique needs of Black youth and or Hispanic youth and people, you know, kids from all different um, backgrounds, really, 
and be aware of and learn and for the educators to learn and be aware of their own stereotypes and their own biases that they bring into the classroom because all of this affects youth and especially compounded on that if a child has ADHD and is in need of special education services, let's say, that's, that's a, it's like another, another aspect um, to bring to that. So really being aware of those biases, being aware of how best to approach youth, um, not giving into some of the stereotypes, especially about ADHD as a whole, on top of, you know, being African-American, let's say, can be really, really beneficial for our education system. And how can the educational system in schools, aside from, you know, realizing their own biases, how can they create a culturally competent community and adapting to a variety of students? To recognize first that, again, there's a lot of unique challenges to, to really understand. For example, there may be families that do not, many families actually, that do not understand um, an uh, individual education plan, an IEP, or a 504 plan, or what are their rights, what are their accommodation, what are the specific accommodations, let's say, for ADHD? Like, does that particular population in your school understand those things? (laughs) Understand, really, I mean, we're talking about their rights, um, their educational rights. Like, is that understood? Do you understand um, what's going on? And, and again, not I, I understand there's a ton of kids in school. I, I totally get that. So we don't have to know every single thing that's happening in their life, but are people connected to the services they need to be connected to? Whether that's with the social worker, guidance counselor, or whatever other services, are people really connected to the services in that school? Because what I found is in some schools that have a really greater need of cultural competence, there's a ton of services in the community. But the, but in the school itself, in the, like the families in those schools, they have no idea what's available to them. So that's a, like we have to bridge the gap, basically. And that comes with understanding culture, understanding needs, understanding mental health. I mean, it's a lot, but that's really where the school system needs to start if we're going to start to really make change and help, help these youth. But it is important for the schools to kind of interact in this multicultural way and provide the resources and be aware of these educational rights. And as for parents, what are some strategies that they can use to help their children at home with ADHD? I tell a lot of parents this, actually. But I would say first, if your child has ADHD, to really think about adjusting your expectations. Um, And I don't mean that to to, you know, treat them like they're not as smart or anything like that. But what I found is sometimes parents have these unrealistic expectations for kids with ADHD, and it is so frustrating to the parent (laughs) and for the kid that it just becomes a mess. So instead, trying to adjust to certain expectations, like, for example, there's a lot of kids, not every kid, but there's a lot of kids with ADHD that cannot handle you saying four steps at a time to do something. So if you say, like, go brush your teeth, wash your face, get ready for school, and put your notebook in your backpack, they that is very difficult to do. Um, and then it becomes a challenge in the morning, and everybody's all frustrated. So instead, adjust your expectations to know you might have to do one, you might have to say one instruction at a time. And that's okay, right? Because that is what your child is able to do. The other thing I would highly, highly recommend to parents is uh, to really 
to stay educated. There's a lot of things that are changing. So, and I'm grateful to you all, obviously, for having this podcast. But I mean, there's there whether it's an ADC podcast, webinar, Googling something you don't know, stay educated, know the changes that are happening in the field of ADHD, because really that's the best way to to stay on top of the trends and to know what's best for your child and how to help them at home and at school. And I really like the example you gave about taking one step at a time, you know, brush your teeth and then do this. I think that's really important to remind parents of along with continuing to be educated. Dr. Hammond, do you have anything else that you would like to add before we end? I, I really want to stress that to parents, especially that just because your child may have ADHD does not mean they're automatically set up to fail in life. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't really work like that. Um, there's a lot of things that you can put into place, particularly in school with accommodations and modifications in the curriculum. There's things to do at home. There's things you can do in the community to really try your best to prevent a lot of the major issues that come up, but it's not just this, you know, label of ADHD and then there's this horrific thing that happens to them and their life. There's many people with ADHD that go on to live extremely successful, amazingly productive lives. So I just want to remind everyone of that. Thank you, Dr. Hammond. And that's a great reminder to keep managing the issues and managing the symptoms of ADHD for a more positive outcome. Thank you so much. It was great having you. Thank you so much. Now more than ever, you need the best information on ADHD. It's the perfect time to subscribe to Attention Magazine with articles from experts on children as well as adults. Find out more about subscribing to the digital or print editions at chad.org. Thank you for listening to another episode of All Things ADHD. Stay up to date on the latest ADHD information by connecting to Chad's social media page at chad.org slash social. 